yet you talk about it and just smile smile away about it the Holy Spirit wants to send you to that person it's just to you know to, to, to say something that can get their attention that can help them to start to think about their lives in a different direction that's what he's been sending will you lift your hand to Jesus this morning and say Holy Spirit send me just think about the places he wants to send you to just the way I had I just had an encounter with him just before I came up well he was just reminding me about the places the new things he wants to send me to people's homes while I speak maybe on TV he wants he wants new things you know he wants he wants to use you why don't you just tell him Holy Spirit I'm here this morning with my heart fully submitted to you send me into that new business that new idea that new office that new new place of work so it's not just about the salary I see myself as a missionary send me to that bank send me to that that new hospital if you work in the health sector you desire to work in a place don't see it as i want a better pay see it as holy spirit send me there that i may save lives that may touch lives put me on a mission holy spirit use me in that family help me to rescue that life from destruction send me to the life of a child send me to the life of a young lady who is being tormented with waywardness send me to the life of that person send me to the life of that guy Holy Spirit we ask that you have your way in our lives today send us send us into those places send us into those places send us back into our families Use us to bring reconciliation among brothers and sisters. Help us to bring reconciliation into the lives of our cousins and our uncles. Just use us. Help us not to carry our eyes away from those mission fields within our family. Help us to restore a man and his wife together. Use us, Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you. Lord, we bless your name. Again, this morning, lift your two hands with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, we submit ourselves to you as a church today. As many whose hearts have been touched today. Holy Spirit, send us. Help us to recognize every mission field. Help us to recognize. Give us the gift of recognition. Help us to recognize our own mission fields. Help us to recognize them. Help us to see it when we see people. Help us to see it when we step into an office. Help us to see it. Help us to see our mission field. Holy Spirit, come and fill us afresh. Use us as we step into a new week. Use us in this month of resurrection. Make us a blessing everywhere we go. We thank you, our Father. And we ask that you breathe upon your word this morning. Let it minister grace to every hearer. Let no word spoken this morning return void. Let it accomplish in everything that you have sent. We thank you for open hearts and open minds to your word this morning. 
help us to take distractions away as we consume your word with passion this morning knowing that it's only it's the only thing that can lead to our transformation transform our lives in your presence this morning as we behold faintly as in a glass your word as we look into your word bring transformation into our lives have your way in our lives in the precious name of jesus say a big amen somebody glory to jesus let's appreciate jesus appreciate jesus appreciate jesus this morning Help me smile at your neighbor, look at your neighbor, and give your neighbor a smile. Say, 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 God is doing something new in your life. God is going to use you this season beyond your wildest imagination. Glory be to Jesus. Praise God. We're speaking on the topic this morning as we continue in the series of the Holy Spirit, the game changer. You shall receive power. I want you to hear me tell your neighbor, say, You shall receive power. Oh, look at somebody else, tell them, say, the power of God is upon you. Uh, Acts of the Apostles, chapter 1, I'll read from verse 4 to 8, and we're also going to read from the book of John, chapter 4. Let's start from Acts of the Apostles, uh, chapter 1. We'll read from verse 4 to 8. I want us to read it together, and we're going to have a second reading in John, the book of John, chapter 4, as we examine Jesus' encounter with the uh, Samaritan woman. But before we do that, let's read Acts of the Apostles, chapter 1. And verse 4 to 8. Can we go together? And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had had they asked him saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? In verse 7, and he said to them, it is not for you to know. And verse 8, the last one, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the end of the earth. The Lord bless the reading of his word. So Jesus here was talking to his disciples. And they asked him a question. Lord, is it the time for you to restore the kingdom back to Israel? It was at a time where uh, the, perhaps the most powerful uh, um, kingdom at that time was the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire ruled over the whole area. And the greatest thing in the heart of the average Jew was that they were waiting for the promise of the Father that at the time, the kingdom would be restored back to Israel. And when, it were, when those days, when they thought about the Messiah, they saw the Messiah as the one who is going to come and restore the kingdom back to Israel, where Israel will become an independent nation out of the, the rule of the Roman Empire. That was all they thought about. They were thinking about only the earthly empires and the earthly government, you know, and all that. And Jesus said, you know what, that's, that's a good thing, but that, 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 don't preoccupy yourself with that. Yeah. He said, it's not for you to, you know, be wrestling with God as to when is he going to restore kingdom to Israel or whatever. Don't focus on that. But you shall receive power. Yeah. After the Holy Ghost has come upon you. 
and you shall be witnesses unto me. That should be your preoccupation. Yeah, that should be your preoccupation. You just, just focus on the promise of the Father, on, you know, what the Father has said. John, you know, baptized with water, but he said he shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from now. And that's the most important thing. And I say the same to somebody in this service this morning. The most important preoccupation of a believer is to focus on the promise of the Father. It's not about who is the MD of your company or the CEO of your company or the governor of your state or the president of Nigeria. It's about the promise of the Father. What has the Father said to you? What has he written in his word concerning you? Can you trust him to bring the influence of the game changer into your life? Because when it comes into your life, it doesn't matter who is in power. It doesn't matter who is ruling. Yeah, you are going to reign with Christ and rule with Christ because you carry his spirit. Is somebody still with me this morning? Because a lot of the time we preoccupy ourselves with things that don't matter in God's scheme of things. It's not about, you know, who is leading your industry or who is your CEO, like I said. It's about the promise of the Father. Yeah. He rules and reigns in the affairs of men. And if he has spoken a word over your life and you can focus on that, like he said, that he will give us the Holy Spirit freely. When you have the Holy Spirit in your life, you literally carry God. And you can't carry God and be afraid of man. Are you still with me today? Glory be to Jesus. Let, let's put that thought somewhere. I'm coming back to it. Let's read John chapter 4. Can you put that one up for me? John chapter 4 from verse 1. John chapter 4 from verse 1. The story of the Samaritan woman who had an encounter with Jesus. The crux of the matter here was the fact that Jesus was eating at something very important. Which is that satisfaction is only available when you encounter God through his spirit. I wanted to hold that as your second thought this morning. One is, like I said, is that there's a preoccupation for a believer, which is the promise of the Father. And chief among the promises is that of the Holy Spirit, who is going to dwell in us. When I focus on that, and I'm, I, I, I'm getting sure that I have an, a, an encounter and a relationship with the Holy Spirit, all other things will pave into insignificance. Secondly, is that there is something in us that cannot be filled by any other thing except the presence of our creator. So a woman had an encounter with Jesus here. Chapter uh, 4 of the book of John and from verse 1. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees heard, had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John. Though Jesus had not baptized but uh, his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. Verse 4. But he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria which is called Sychar. Near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. Now, Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. Invariably, Jesus sent, I mean, God sent Jesus to this particular place, just like we're saying at the start, that God has a mission field for each and every one of us. He had to go through Samaria, 
So he happened to be at this place at this time, and this woman came to that place at that time. So verse 7, a woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Just a simple request. The woman, this lady had this simple request. She started going to analyze, you know, uh, the racial barrier, the tribal barrier, and the fact that, you know, you're not even supposed to be talking to me. Why are you talking to me? It's not about water. Maybe you're looking for something. You know how, you know, especially the current day millennial babes can be. You, you know, the moment the guy is talking, that means he has something in mind beyond it's water. That's the subject matter, water. Yeah. Water, the subject matter. So, look at, give me water. Give me a drink. Verse 8. For his disciples had gone away from the city to buy food. So, Jesus just wanted to refresh himself. But he knew everything. So, let's see how the story unfolds. Then, the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me a drink, ask a drink, from me, a Samaritan woman. Are you sure you're not looking for something else? Because ordinarily, for Jews, I have no dealings with Samaritans. And water is too mundane for, to be bringing us together. <laughs> yeah. So, Jesus answered and said to her, If you know the gift of God, and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked me and... He would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get the living water? Verse 12. Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? Look at Jesus' answer. Verse 13. Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will not thirst again. Sorry, will will thirst again. That, that's the, the natural water. Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But verse fourteen, he said, "But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into." everlasting life. The conversation continued, but I would like to pause here just because of time. Because this woman then went on and on, you know, just imagining that there could be water that somebody would drink, I will not test again. Give me of this water. You know, and then Jesus started asking her just to, to you know, to get her mind to be open. Oh, you, you go and call your husband before this water. I don't want to get into trouble. You know, call your husband first, then we'll give you this water. And the woman started saying, I have no husband. And Jesus said, well, you have said it right because you've been with five men and the one you're with now is not really your husband. And the woman freaked out and said, come and see the man who told me everything. Yeah. And she sent herself to the village telling everybody, could this be the Messiah? There's a man here who is telling me everything about myself. The whole village, you know, went to an opera just because Jesus came around and decided to First and foremost, locate that mission field, but much more than that, offered you and I something that is beyond what we have always been looking for. In this world, we are always looking for something. Always looking for something. People are never satisfied with anything, whether it's money or relationship or, you know, this or that. Always thirsty for something. 
Jesus said, the only thing that is available in this world, that if you partake of it, you will not thirst again, is the water that I can give. And he was speaking about the Holy Spirit. Yeah, the Holy Spirit. He is a self-sufficient God in himself. God all by himself, when he indwells you, he provides solutions. When he indwells you, he meets you at the point of need. You can keep drawing. It's a well that doesn't dry up. Ask your neighbor again, will you receive power? It's the well that doesn't go dry, like I said. You, you keep drawing and drawing and drawing. God keeps providing right from within. Just leaning on him. Just leaning on him. The only problem is that a lot of the time, people don't have you know, the right state of mind to fellowship with the Holy Spirit, to befriend the Holy Spirit. So the state of your heart prepares you for the move of the Holy Spirit. So let's look at you know, what kind of heart the Holy Spirit is looking to when he wants to relate, relate with us. And then I'm also going to consider, you know, how you know that the Holy Spirit has started to work in your life, that you are giving him room. Because some people don't even know whether, you know, am I okay with the Holy Spirit? Is there, how do you see the expression of the Holy Spirit through your life? And then we're, we're going to wrap this all up by talking about where it all started from, the purpose of the Holy Spirit and his power in your life is to be a witness. Let's, let's, let's look at the heart, the heart, the heart. So to experience the ministry of the Holy Spirit, you also have to be willing and prepared to receive him. Many people are not interacting with the Holy Spirit as much as they should because they're not, they're not willing, not willing to receive him. The Holy Spirit will not possess. You see, there's a difference between the Holy Spirit and evil spirits. Evil spirits possess, possess people. They take over people. It's like arrest. They've been looking, 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 looking. You know, the Bible says, describe the devil, it says like a roaring lion looking for who to devour. So, the, the devil comes and possesses people. The Holy Spirit is not an aggressive spirit. It's not, it's not a demon. <laughs> it comes in to fellowship with you and to stay in your heart. He respects, you know, the invitation. You know, the, the, the demons look for unclean places to go. And when they see, they just pounce. That's why demonic oppression is called a possession. Yeah. The Holy Spirit wants to come into our lives. There has to be a willingness of heart. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. That's the operation of the Holy Spirit. That's the operation of the kingdom of God. Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. Whoever will open the door, I will come in. The devil really doesn't knock. He pulls down the door. If the door is not very okay and just comes and possess. Yeah. And drives you to do funny stuff. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. So the Holy Spirit is always there, standing at the door and knocking. The Holy Spirit will not possess you or hijack your will. He is not a demon spirit. 
is there to guide and influence. Yeah, that's how he works. To guide and influence you. Can you hear me? Ask your neighbor this morning, will you receive him? It's important that you answer that question. Many people are not able to receive the Holy Spirit, for instance, because you feel unqualified for the Holy Spirit. Because you don't understand the purpose of his coming or his work. The good way to describe it, um, let, me, let me give an example. Something happened recently. A few months ago, we wanted to do a bit of um, I love for my apartment to be functional and yet um, with a little bit of aesthetics. I love aesthetics and I love functionality. When you match both together, you get good effectiveness, good ambience to, for you to be able to work for family, to function, you know, and all that. Because, you know, you, when, when you have lived somewhere for some time, everything becomes mumbo-jumbo and you just throw things, especially if you are, if you are like me. Praise God. <laughs> I know you understand what I'm talking about. Uh, some of us, by nature, we can function. Glory be to Jesus. <laughs> I don't want to say too much. When you get used to a place that you've been living for a while, you have, especially women, you have too much load, different things. You have to be able to, yeah, everywhere is running over. You need to be able to prune. So I said, can we just redecorate this place a bit and make it more functional? I want my study to, you know, take this kind of shape so that it's easier for me to do this and do that. You know, a few things that I wanted, you know, to be, I want this kind of uh, uh, maybe shelf here so that I can keep books here, keep this one there. Sometimes my books are just everywhere, running over. You know, stuff like that. Now we spoke to uh, someone in church here to help us into that field of, uh, um, interior decoration and all. And they were about to come to the house. And my wife would say, they're coming tomorrow. And you know what we tell ourselves? Let's put this place in shape a bit because it's not good for church members to come to pastor's house and everything is, you know, and everything is all over the place. Let's, so we keep telling them, wait, we're coming. Wait, we're coming. So we look into our system and say, let's arrange it a bit. They're going to come into our bedroom. My wife said, ah, so we need to arrange this place. So, you know, let's arrange it a little bit more so that the work they were coming to do is to help us arrange it. <laughs> but we wanted to arrange the place just to impress. Them. That's how some of us behave. The Holy Spirit wants to come into your life to organize it. You say, Holy Spirit, wait. Because of a little bit of feeling of shame, of inadequacy and all that, you tell Holy Spirit, wait. Yeah, Holy Spirit, wait. It's like knocking through the door, right? Like Pastor T put it in the first service, knocking through the door. I mean, somebody was not, is knocking on your door, and then you look out through the pinhole, and you saw a man in overall with mop and brush and broom. And you said, ah, this place is too scattered, though. Wait. Let me go and arrange and clean. I'll open the door for you. Yeah. The person in overall, the Holy Spirit, your game changer, is already here with broom, with mop, trying to clean out the place. Why put him on hold? Why allow him to remain at the door? That's his job. If you could put the place in shape, you don't need him. 
And we need to understand that that's the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. Jesus calls him our helper. He said, I'll send you another helper. Another helper. In the Greek, the translation there, helper or comforter. Another helper. Another. That word, another. Halos. Paracletos. Helper. Paracletos. The one who stands between or who helps with something. Or who takes action on behalf of the other. Paraclet, paracletos. But alos there is another of the same type. Jesus said, I'm sending the Holy Ghost into your life. It's another type of me. Alright. Look at the chairs in, in, in this auditorium. They, are, they were batch produced. Alright. The same type. If somebody took your chair. Just assume. That this place is not disorganized. And you came in and we all have to, you know, like free sitting. Like some American airlines where you enter and they say it's free sitting. So you don't have, <laughs> you don't have um, a seat number before you came in. You just, just, you see people quickly running to take chair. Uh-huh. So you came in this morning and it was free sitting. And somebody then, you were almost sitting somewhere and somebody took the chair. And then an usher came and said, take this same chair. If it's the same, this blue with dots like we have here, with some padding, you say, ah, no, no problem now. Thank you, Osha. But if the Osha brought a plastic chair for you, you say, is that person better than me? Is this what you do in this church? You people, you have started again. And you say, it's the house of God. Is that not what you will say? Because it's another of a different type. When Jesus said, I will bring you another comforter. In the Greek, it's alos paracletos. Not heteros paracletos. It was heteros paracletos. It's another of a different type. An inferior type. Plastic chair. <laughs> but Jesus said, I bring you another of the same type. It's just going to be like me. Everything I can do in your life, you will do. The only thing is that instead of hanging around you, it's not going to be in you. Yeah. Are you still with me this morning? That's the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. That was how Jesus introduced him to us. It's another of the same type with him. Having the same power, same authority. Nothing different. But he now lives in me. Tell your neighbor he lives in me. Or look at your spouse and tell your spouse he lives in me. No, you don't believe, but he does. Because one of the people that may not believe only goes is to use your spouse. That's the truth. Because they see all your manifestations. Glory be to Jesus. You know, it's easier for brothers and sisters in church to believe you have Holy Ghost. Let them ask your wife or your husband. Yeah. Say, I'm thinking about it. I'll get back to you. <laughs> Tell your neighbor again, say, he lives in me. Glory be to Jesus. Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 18, say, we all beholding like, like in a glass the glory of God. We, we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of God, of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just by the Spirit of God. That's what the Spirit of God does in us. Just bringing transformation. Transformation from glory to glory. So the Holy Spirit needs, does not need a perfect life. He only needs a ready heart. Yeah. The Holy Spirit doesn't need a perfect life, it needs a ready heart. 
So a ready heart is the one that is contrite. I just want to go through the kind of heart that the Holy Spirit is looking for. The ready heart is the one that is contrite. Contrite there speaks to, you know, a heart that expresses remorse or penitence. Like you see in Psalm 51 and verse 10. When David was praying there. Spray of David in Psalm, 19, uh, Psalm 51 and verse 10. Creating me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. And do not take your Holy Spirit from me. That's the kind of heart the Holy Spirit is looking for. Yeah. That's the kind of heart, a contract heart. Creating me, oh God. That kind of heart that can be, become easily remorseful, penitent, a heart that is, another way to put it is, the Holy Spirit is looking for a heart that is dependable or surrendered. A heart that is dependable or surrendered. The reason why not many people are seeing the full manifestation of the Holy Spirit in their life is that you can't be a recalcitrant person with a heart of stone and you expect the Holy Spirit to come in. He won't force himself on you. He's not going to wrestle with your, your will. He's always at the door knocking and expecting you to open. A willing connection with the Holy Spirit is what engenders change. A willing connection with the Holy Spirit. A willing connection with the Holy Spirit. So, a dependable, dependent or surrendered heart, another kind of heart the Holy Spirit is looking for is expectant heart. An expectant heart. An expectant heart. You see that kind of heart in Mary, the mother of Jesus. When Mary was pregnant, without knowing a man and all that, and, uh, I mean, when the announcement was made, even before the pregnancy, an angel appeared to Mary, and say, God's going to use you. This is what's going to happen. You're going to become pregnant. How shall this thing be? Mary asked. He said, it's going to be by the, by the Holy Spirit. Ah, if it's the Holy Spirit, it's okay. I'm open. Maybe some people say, which spirit? What kind of thing is that? Angel, are you sure you're from heaven? Yeah. But, you know, that contrite heart, that expectant heart, and you can also call it an obedient heart, the Holy Spirit is looking for a heart that is ready to obey. In, in Matthew chapter 14 and verse 29, Peter was in his boat. Jesus was walking on water. Do you remember the story of, you know, how Peter walked on water? That's the kind of heart that the Holy Spirit is looking for. Peter was sitting with his colleagues inside the boat. Jesus was walking towards them on water. Peter looked at Jesus. Master, if it is you, Asked me to come. Jesus said, come. He didn't ask the other people in the boat. Did you hear what I heard? Does he look like the master? You know, some people say, he's not really looking like Jesus. This person is shorter than Jesus. I need to be sure. You know, because he was in the wee hours of the day and he couldn't probably really see properly. The moment he heard, come. It was a call into destiny. A call into a new dimension. A call into a new experience. Because nobody in Peter's lineage had walked on water before. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. It's a call, it was a call that was beyond him or anything he had ever experienced. But an obedient heart, that's what the Holy Spirit is looking for. All he had was come. And he moved. 
If you can be like that, you will see a stronger fellowship with the Holy Spirit. A stronger encounter with the Holy Spirit. Is somebody still with me today? I said, is somebody still with, with me today? How you know that you have received the Holy Spirit? If you are saved here this morning, you already have the Holy Spirit. Even if you don't speak in tongues yet. Even if, you know, you've not been ministered to the baptism of the Holy Spirit or, or, and all that. The Bible says you have a measure of the Spirit. That's what came upon you when you said yes to Jesus. Yeah. The Spirit that was dead to sin now became alive in Christ. So, if you are listening to me here this morning or you're watching online or, you, you know, you're joining this, this service on TV, you, you need to understand one thing and that's that one of the ways you know that the Holy Spirit is already at work in, at work in your life is that it gives you the consciousness of your new nature. Yeah. Not the consciousness of sin. The consciousness of your new nature. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to give you. The consciousness of your new nature. Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Can you put that up for me? Uh, verse, uh, let's read verse 9. And I'm going to read verse 11. No, Romans chapter 6. Let's start from verse 6. Then I'm going to read verse 9 and verse 11. If you can put that from, up for me, I will appreciate it. Romans chapter 6. From verse 6. And then I'll read verse 9 and verse 11. He said, knowing this, certain things that you have to know. And you can only really know them by the help of the Holy Spirit. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, with Christ. That the body of sin may be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves of sin. Verse 9. Give me verse 9, quickly. Knowing, again, see knowing. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. And by implication, also over me. And verse 11. It says, likewise, you also reckon. You see, know him. See, reckon. Reckon yourself. This, these are the works of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. Re- helping you to reckon. To recognize yourself. To be dead indeed to sin. But alive to God in Christ Jesus. That's how I know that the Holy Spirit is working in my life. It helps me to reckon. To see myself. Not as a sinner, but as a child of God. Yeah. I am not a sinner trying to please God. Or trying to seek God or anything like that. I am a child of God trying to walk in a balanced relationship with God. I am already a child of God. The Spirit of God is in me. I am conscious of my right standing with God and my status in God. What the devil does is that he keeps reminding you that you are a sinner and that you are dead in sin and that God is going to deal with you. Yeah. The Holy Spirit, on the other hand, keeps telling you, you are now a child of God. A sinner has a nature of sin. A sinner is dead spiritually in trespasses and sin. Has no other way to live than to live in sin. A child of God, a righteous man, one who is in Christ, is a child of God. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. When any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. The Holy Ghost helps me to remember all the time that I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. And that all things are passed away. That all things have become new. So when I seem to want to step into the old things, the Holy Ghost says, oh, it has been passed away, so put your leg here. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Yeah? 
That one has passed away. Don't, 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 don't put your... Eh, eh. So even if my leg has touched small, my righteousness consciousness kicks in. I say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm putting my leg here. So that is, a believer can fall into sin, but a believer is not a sinner. They're two different things. A sinner cannot fall into righteousness. It's not by, you don't fall just like that. It's a nature. I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying this morning. Yeah. A sinner cannot fall into righteousness. Yeah. To be, Jesus said, except a man be born again. You have to be born. The Holy Spirit brings and keeps that consciousness. The sense of identity that I've been born of God keeps it in my mind. That's actually how we stop sinning. We reckon ourselves to be dead to sin and alive in Christ. Romans chapter uh, is it 12 and verse 2 that says, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Romans chapter 8, I think it's verse 1 that says, uh, there's therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk after the flesh, who refuse to be conscious of the flesh and the sin nature, but to be conscious of your new status as a child of God. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. He wants to keep reminding me when I'm transacting business, when I'm meeting new clients, this is a child of God who has come to meet this new client. When I'm making a presentation, this is a joint hair with Christ making this presentation. Yeah. So he wants to guide my talk. He wants to guide my mind. I, I, I shouldn't get into a place and I'm jittery. I'm thinking, hey, I'm Holy Spirit. I don't want to lie. No. You are not a sinner. Lies are no longer part of your life. If you ever told one, you misstepped. The Holy Spirit will put your leg back here. And tell you, no, no, that, that's wrong. And then you say, the Bible says, you have got little children, and you have overcome them. Talking about this life, this life of death to sin. I mean, of dead, death and sin. He said, if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. So God is the judge, like I've preached before. Jesus is our advocate. How can you lose a case when your father is judge and your brother is your lawyer? That's why I said there's no more condemnation because condemnation is a legal word. You can't then be condemned again. Your father is the judge of all. Your brother is the advocate. Jesus Christ joins us with Christ. No more condemnation for them who are in Christ Jesus. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Romans 8 and verse 1. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Yeah. So I have to remember all the time. And it's the Holy Spirit that keeps me in remembrance of that. Yeah. So I'm not a struggler. I'm not struggling with sin. I'm, I'm above. He that is above is above everything. Yeah. I'm above sin and all its tendencies. I walk in my righteousness. I talk to people and I'm conscious of who is talking. Yeah. I'm, I'm you know, you're talking business, talking this, you t- this is a child of God that's talking. The Holy Spirit 
keeps you in remembrance of that. That's how you know that the Holy Spirit is working in your life. Another way is you start to see the effect, the fruits of the Spirit developing. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. Now the fruit of the Spirit. Ha! Love. Joy. You know, the fruit of the Spirit. Love. Joy. Peace. Long-suffering. Kindness. Goodness. Faithfulness. Verse 23. Long-suffering. I mean, gentleness. Self-control. Against what? There's no law. How I started to see the Holy Spirit started to work in my life. The same me that can blow a fuse before and scatter the office. And somebody comes and didn't greet me well. And the Holy Spirit says, you know who you are. You're above all that. And you smile and say, it's good to see you. I said, the person didn't see you before. And then this person now walks away and says, you know, that kind of good morning. And then your colleague said, ah, you have changed, though. Ah, Sister Carol, we used to know you in this office, so that is when the Holy Spirit has started to walk. Yeah. It's good for the Holy Spirit to, you know, for you to be slain in the Spirit. When you come to church, maybe you fall under the anointing and all that. But the real way we will know that you have encountered Holy Ghost is then you now get to the office. But Adonatus now comes, or Mr. Adonatus, and says something silly. And you're still smiling, and in your heart you're saying, God bless you. Yeah. And everybody's wondering, won't she talk? And you didn't talk. The effect of that falling under the power, we are seeing it. Because something has started to work. These are people are specialists in falling. They, they are the SI unit for the move of the Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is moving like this before he even gets to that where they are. Bass. They are gone. Yeah. It's good because it's the Spirit that is touching you. Sometimes when the Holy Spirit touches you, he overwhelms your body. And that's why you can fall in the Spirit or, you know, cry. Or sometimes even start to laugh. Supernatural joy. Just coming into your heart by the Holy Spirit. Because it's called the oil of joy. But after all that encounter, the fruit of the Spirit needs to start. Fruit is an offshoot of seed. Am I saying the truth? So if the seed of the Spirit is in there, we need to be able to taste the fruit. Taste the fruit. Then the Holy Spirit has started to walk. Glory be to Jesus. Lastly, this morning, the purpose of power is to be a witness. You shall receive power and be witnesses unto me. Is to be a witness. Who are you witnessing to? God wants your life, life completely to be a witness. To be a witness. To be an epistle to be read. People want to read your life. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2 and 3. You are our epistles written in our heart, known and read by all men. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ ministered to us. Written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh. That is of the heart. Glory be to Jesus. I said glory be to Jesus. That's, that's who God wants us to be. An epistle that other people can read. As the fruit of the Spirit develops in your life, people can read through and see Christ. Secondly... God wants us to be his mouthpiece. You can't have the Holy Spirit and you are always quiet. You need to be able to preach the gospel to somebody. Matthew 28 from verse 19. All power, verse 18, 
all power has been given unto me. He said, on the basis of that, therefore go. Go into the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. That's the purpose of the power of the Holy Spirit. is to be a witness. Tell your neighbor it's time to be a witness. Say, your life must witness Christ. Your words should witness Christ. And lastly, you should manifest the supernatural. Acts chapter 10 and verse 28. Manifest the supernatural. Manifest the supernatural. You must manifest the supernatural. Acts 10 and 38, the Bible says, How God anointed Jesus Christ with the Holy Ghost and with power. He went about doing good. That's the purpose of the anointing. When the power of God is upon your life, it's going to affect your business. Things will grow, but that's not the purpose. The purpose is to be a witness. You shall receive power. When the power comes upon you, you shall be witnesses unto me. You witness with your life. You witness with the words that you speak. And you also witness by good deeds. So you don't walk past somebody who is sorrowful. And not say, are you okay? Can I pray for you? Our God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power. And he went about his business. Is that what the scripture wrote? No. How God anointed Jesus Christ with the Holy Ghost and power. He went about doing good. Healing all that were oppressed of the devil. So your cousin is not feeling well. And you're passing by. Don't just say. Ah, oh, sorry Pele. Have you taken any medication? No. Believe that you have the power of the Holy Ghost. Hold the hand of that person and say a prayer. After you have prayed, then ask about medication. Yeah. Because you are not a doctor. But you are an agent of God. So pray. Silver and gold, I have none. What I have, I give. That's where we start from. That's how to be an effective witness. If drop on people's conversation. Somebody's complaining about how terrible the marriage is. My husband is doing this. My wife is doing this. Just ask them. Can I pray for you? That's how to be a witness. How God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Went about doing good. Healing all that were oppressed of the devil. And God was with him. God was with him. You want God to stay around you? You want the Holy Ghost to be active in you? Be somebody who is a solution provider. Who is looking for who to bless. Who is looking for who to solve a problem for. The Holy Spirit will be consistently active in your life. Because that's the purpose of the power from the beginning. Lift your right hand to Jesus this morning. Say, Holy Spirit, use me. Use me. Use me. Use me. Use me, Holy Spirit. 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 Fill me afresh, Holy Spirit. That should be somebody else's prayer this morning. Fill me afresh, Holy Spirit. Fill me afresh, Holy Spirit. Fill me afresh, Holy Spirit. I want you to dwell in my heart. That should be the prayer of your heart. I really want you to dwell in my heart. Somebody here this morning needs to pray to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, give me a fresh recognition of your power in my life. Give me a fresh recognition of who I am in Christ. That sin will no longer have dominion over me. But I'm no longer under sin or under the law. I'm under grace. And last day this morning, somebody should pray that prayer again. Lord, here I am, send me. 
here I am, send me. Send me to that new job. Send me to that new office. Send me to that new business. Send me to that family. Send me to that person who is sick. Send me. Send me. Then as I leave this service this morning, I want to leave with a sense of mission that God is sending me into something this week. That appointment that I have is God that is sending me there. So when I get there, I'm conscious of his power. I'm conscious of his grace. I'm conscious that I will solve a problem in the life of an individual. Conscious of the fact that God can send me to the receptionist even before I meet the person I have an appointment with. So I'm looking out for God to use me this week because I carry his power. I carry his grace. I carry his power. I carry his grace. I carry his power and I carry his grace. Lift your two hands with me this morning. I, I, I love for there to be no movement at this time. If you can, please. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we receive grace over every partaker of this service. Everyone watching online and everyone who will be a part of this message, whether on TV or YouTube, everywhere that people will interact with this message, we ask that your grace fall upon us afresh. Fill everyone afresh with your power and with your grace. As we leave this place this morning, we live with your presence. With a sense of mission. With a sense of assignment. In the name of Jesus. Make us real witnesses to your power and to your grace. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Let your power accompany everyone. Let us start to solve problems even in our own lives that we may have a testimony to share with other people. We thank you, our Father. Fill everyone with your presence today in a new dimension. Lord, if there's anyone that is far away from you, we ask that you draw them closer. We ask that you bring them back home. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. Lord, for anyone in this service this morning who may have forsaken a mission field, who may have forsaken an assignment, a place of calling whether in life, in business, in marriage, in family we receive grace for such a person to go back to the place of assignment to go back to that place of calling to be the transformer that you have made us to be thank you our father see with all its bows and all eyes closed can I pray for someone in this service this morning 